welcome to the latest Science Support Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Christoph Wiss. So, Christoph is a strength and conditioning coach at the Chicago Wolves. He was previously an SNC coach at the Anaheim Ducks and worked for the Chinese Olympic weightlifting and speed skating teams, which makes him the perfect person today to discuss how you can use strength and power to get quicker on the ice. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Christoph onto the show. So, Christoph, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Hey, Matt. Thanks a lot for having me. Big fan of the podcast and everything Science for Sport's been doing. Thank you very much, buddy. So, uh, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, of course. So, actually, just this summer, I started a new, a new role. I'm the head strength conditioning coach for the Chicago Wolves, which is the minor league affiliate for the Carolina Hurricanes. And then before that, I spent two years with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, and then before that, I was in China, which was quite an experience. I started there with the Olympic weightlifting team. And then I ended up going over to the speed skating team, working with long track first and then short track after that. Um, so that's the main work experience. And I guess before that, I did a couple internships and things like that, mainly at P3 peak performance in Santa Barbara, which is a private gym that focuses on training uh, professional athletes from baseball, basketball, football, things like that. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. So you've got a pretty diverse range of experiences, but at the moment we're going to focus on speed and power on the ice because that's where you've been focused on the last few years, as you mentioned in China and uh, in the USA. So first things first then, why is it important to develop speed and power on the ice? Yeah, I guess the main thing is if you watch the game, it's gotten a lot faster. It's, you know, nowadays they're skating at like 25 miles per hour, which for everybody else in the world is about 40 kilometers per hour, where it used to be around 30. So the whole game itself is getting a lot faster. And also, if you watch some of the best players in the world are usually the fastest players. And so they're just skating through everybody. So the game as a whole, just like with a lot of other sports, is getting a lot faster. So that speed and power component is definitely becoming very crucial um not just for training but also for the game itself so it's, it's super important and obviously the the game has changed significantly in the last couple of years um, um i want to take a little bit of a look at how then you can train to make sure that you are top of your game when it comes to to speed but then firstly what makes it different from from field-based sports because uh i think a lot of our european listeners who aren't into to skating type sports uh, for example, myself, um, yeah. like we, I'm, I'm interested to see what are the differences between that and a grass sport when you start running. Uh, and my, my immediate thought goes to some kind of plyometric action, which you might not have as much on the ice, but can you take us through the, those kind of differences? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Like obviously the first one is one's on frozen water and the other one's on grass. So I'm sure that makes, <laughs> that makes a big difference, but no, the skating action itself, it tends to be more concentric and isometric rather than eccentric compared to running. So that's obviously a big thing just in the skating technique versus running technique in itself. Um, the next thing we have is pretty much skating. When you stop, you're still moving, right? Your momentum, you're still gliding. Whereas running, if you stop, you stop, right? And an example of that is we use GPS with the team and you can't just look at distance traveled because if you look at distance traveled, a lot of times it's more than the actual work they were doing because they're gliding. So we had to take into account like stride frequency, stride length, things like that, because you can't just look at distance like normal GPS, like in soccer and things like that, because as I said, a lot of times they're moving without doing anything. 
Uh, so that's definitely a big thing there. And then another thing about the skating action is you push sideways and kind of out and away from your body. And so compared to running, it has more of a vertical force, right? And that's a big difference too, is you're more pushing to the side rather than going in a linear fashion. And then when it comes to that kind of muscle action, then what does that mean in terms of the kind of, uh, yeah, areas that you're going to focus on when it comes to strength and conditioning? Is it, is it just this, this huge glute kickback community or are there other things going on there? No, there's definitely other things. A lot of groin. We do a lot of isometric groin exercises. Um, and the big thing is the athletes don't really like training their groin because they get it enough from skating. So we kind of have to hide it in there. And so we'll do something like a wall sit with a med ball squeeze. So they don't actually, they think they're just doing a wall sit, but actually they're doing an isometric with their groin as well. Um, so, or we'll do a thing where we call it a Pilates ring kick, where you lay on your back and you're squeezing a Pilates ring with your legs and kicking it out. They look at it more of like a core exercise, but it's actually a groin exercise. So a lot of times we try to trick them and they don't really think they're training it, but they're doing it like subconsciously. I think that's uh, that's sneaky, but it's super interesting. So yeah. when when uh, when you take into account some of those differences, then and we're looking at specifically speed and power when it comes to to working on the ice. How then do you start to to build up a strength training program to make sure that your athletes are as quick and as powerful as possible when they're moving on ice? Yeah, a lot of the things say the same. Just with another like other strength training programs, we do a lot of Bulgarian uh, split squats. We do uh, regular squats. Um, we, a lot of it is the same, like step ups, lunges, a lot of unilateral work for sure. I guess the area where it gets different, which I think a lot of other sports could learn from as well is we do more work in the frontal plane. So we'll do lateral sled drags. We'll do a thing that I call a skater squat, which I set up a landmine with a plate and then they're pushing into the plate and doing a lateral squat up and down against the landmine. And then we also do um, skaters in conjunction with that, like skater jumps from side to side. But it's also good with a lot of times with the plyometrics is because unlike running where you want to be on the ground as little as possible with skating, you're actually on the ground longer. So some of our plyometrics will actually like have them in an isometric almost and then explode instead of just like back and forth all the time. So we may change it like that a little bit. And then I guess the last big focus is everybody always wants a good first stride like that initial push and so a good way to work on that is just 10 to 15 yard sprints like those short sprints and also olympic lifts trap bar jumps things like that just to work on that power component and to really get that first step when you when you say sprints do you mean sprints on ice or do you mean sprints uh on yeah ground as such yeah so this would be off ice so like on the ground and it's also just different positions maybe like half kneeling um just regular starts, just different positions. And then because a lot of skating, like it, most of it's going to be within that 10 to 15, at least the sprinting, like on the ice is going to be between that 10 to 15 yard distance. So it's good to do it for dry land as well. Um, there's no point in them really going out and jogging a mile or, you know, things like that. It's better to keep the sprints shorter for the most part. And then when it comes to upper body type work, what, what kind of uh, speed and power work are you developing there for the upper body? Because when, when I, as a, a non us Canadian citizen look at ice hockey, um, yeah. I Google that on YouTube and all of a sudden you just get the best fights, right? Like that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. It's good. It's good to watch, but like, maybe it's not particularly, uh, sporting as such, but like, they, they need to be able to defend themselves physically as well. Right. So what kind of upper body stuff are you doing? For sure. So we do a lot of push and pull. Um, 
horizontal and vertical pull-ups, um, incline bench with dumbbells. We like to use dumbbells a lot rather than just the bar, um, things like that. It's another big component, I guess, for upper body and core would be rotational. It's a big rotational sport because you're also like shooting and passing. And so we do a lot of rotational work either with med balls or also, um, on the equipment, like some cables, we'll do rotational work on cables. And that's another really big component, um, for training in general. And then when you look at those kind of uh, cable type movements or, or mebel movements, what are your, what are your go-to movements there? Where you go to exercises? So a lot of times we have those nice Kaiser cables. And so you can really Love go those. as fast as, yep. You can go as fast as you want with those. And so we'll do kind of a, uh, almost like a baseball swing type movement, right? We'll start it with about shoulder height and then you'll just, uh, pull it through about to the, to your hip. And so we call that a cable rotation and we'll do those. And then we'll go right into, a lateral med ball throw against a wall, just coming from the hip and coming right into the wall. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Like I'm very jealous of your walls, which can stand up to that because we don't have that, but like the, the rotation stuff on a Kaiser. Yeah. I, I write that down as a Kaiser rotation, but that sounds almost exactly what I would do with, with a lot of different sports, which have a rotational aspect. So that's super cool to hear that I'm not the only one, or at least we're doing it wrong together. So <laughs> one of the two, at least. Yeah, um, I guess. I guess we'll find out, but the walls are crucial. Like that's one of the biggest things for us is we always make sure we have wall space for those med ball throws. I think that's a, that's a very important one, especially like, uh, again, for my own situation, they're going to build a new gym soon and uh, we're building out of cardboard walls is not particularly useful. So yeah, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> that's a, a super interesting one for a lot of SNC coaches who are going to design their own gym or have some kind of influence on the gym to make sure that there's at least some kind of space to, to smash the med balls into that's uh and you, you can get like uh you can get these kind of pop-up versions as well right you can get something mm-hmm. which you, you just effectively plug into the floor uh which you're going to batter with your medicine balls as well have, have you seen those yeah yeah i've seen those too those are cool and, uh, yeah that's uh that's maybe a second option if uh if your paper thin walls are going to just yeah i <laughs> i know i yeah. know I've, I've tried it before and i'm like i am going to literally throw a med ball into the kitchen and someone's going to be furious with me so we're not going to do that <laughs> yeah yeah um, but anyway back to back to ice hockey stuff when when you get your your athletes right you have a pretty a pretty long off season is that right yeah we do oh depending if you make the playoffs or not so the season could end in april or if you make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, it could end in June. And then when does it start again? Uh, training camp starts in September, and then season starts in October. Okay, so there's there's potential at least for a really long off season. Um, yeah. And then when when we look at that kind of off season, what kind of work do they get then, and how does that compare to the in season work which you might be doing with them on a regular basis? Yeah. So. Unlike the college system, where usually over here in college, you have the athletes, like that's the biggest time for you is that off-season training. At the professional level, a lot of the players go home. They're all from different parts of the country or different parts of the world. And so they go home and they actually have a lot of trainers at home that they work with. And so what we, we give them a program for the summer. It's, it's optional if they want to use it or not or use their trainer's program. We do get on the phone with their trainer. And we say, this is what we saw throughout the season. You know, he could improve some of his speed and power. We tell them, however you want to do that is fine. Like we're not, you know, we realize there's a lot of different ways to do things. So however you want to get that done. But when they come back to training camp, we expect them to improve on the training camp before. So that's a big thing for us. And then a super interesting to, to give someone the freedom, at least to say, look, go and go and work with someone that, that you like, but just come back better. That's a, yeah. that's a really interesting way of looking at things. 
Yeah, it's, it's that fine line because they are professional athletes and they realize the importance of their bodies and of training. And so they'll realize, oh, I had a really good summer or yeah, this summer wasn't that great. And so it's, they're at the point where they know what's good for them. And so for the most part, there's never any issues. Um, and you know, like we said, it's just that open dialogue with the trainers and the trainers are great too. They'll be like, yeah, if there's anything you want us to add, just let us know. And we can throw that in there as well. Um, so it's a really good dialogue between us and the trainers. And that's a, that's a really yeah progressive way of looking at things. Cause I imagine there's a lot of uh, coaches and trainers who would rather bicker on social media than, than actually help each other and help athletes. And uh, I can imagine that's a, a nice environment to work in when you're working together as opposed to against each other. Yeah, no, I mean, cause at the end of the day for us, we all want the best for the athlete, right? Those trainers and us as well. And so that's what, that's the main goal for both of us. And so that helps a lot. And then when, when you look at the, the different types of content that their training has in the, the off season and of course in the in season, are you doing things differently in those periods? Are there, are there certain things that they can work on, which they might not be able to work on during the season? Yeah, for sure. So sometimes we do have groups that stay with us over the summer just because they like the area or they already have a house there, things like that. They might leave for a couple of weeks, but for the most part, they stay with us for the summer. So an example of that would be in season, we're pretty much playing almost every other day. And so you can't really get much work done. And a lot of times we actually do the workout after the game. And then the next day will be pretty much a rest day or something like that. So we we do quite a bit, like in the season, you can't do that much. But in the off season, that's when you can get most of the work done. And so that's nice is because the main focus is on the, the, the workout as compared to like the skating. Um, so I'd say that's the biggest thing. And then, yeah, I guess it just really allows us to get more work and you have more time to do it. And when, when you're looking at stuff like uh, strength in season, are you able to, to attack that at any point or is it just maintenance, which you just hope that it gets maintained? How, how does that look? It's this last season because it was just so jam packed with, it was like the COVID schedule. It was pretty much just maintenance. Like we just had to get a workout in when we could, especially because they were playing so many games in a small amount of time. Um, but usually, yeah, you can, you know, we'll do force plate analysis throughout the season, some gym wear stuff as well. And so you can see where their strength levels are at. Um, but the main thing is definitely the games at that point. Absolutely brilliant. So before you round off, I want to ask you the most difficult question that we can imagine. And that is, what is the one thing that you see or do differently, which the rest of the world can learn from? Oh boy. Yeah, this is, this is a tough one. It's a good one, but it's a tough one. Um, I think... One thing that's actually a little different that's been interesting is during quarantine, I guess back when COVID first started around April of 2020, we um, I started a Zoom chat with all the coaches that I worked with in China for the most part that we all went over as a group. And so we started this weekly chat on Tuesdays. And so every Tuesday we would all meet up and then we started adding more people to the group as well. And each week someone would we'd either discuss a podcast, someone would give us a little presentation, like 10 minute presentation and things like that. And that really was great. Something to look forward to during that quarantine time, you know, cause everybody was pretty much in the same situation. So we always had that time on Tuesday to get together and see each other and just discuss S and C. And I guess that actually led me to starting my podcast, focusing on international coaching um, and, you know, just interviewing coaches all around the world. So I guess, that I'd say is a little different. Um, those two things that would be, I guess that'd be my answer for that one. 
Oh, I think that's, that's excellent. It's an excellent example of uh, yeah how to think outside the box a little bit, how to keep yourself a little bit sane during uh, during the COVID period, and of course how to yeah. develop yourself as a coach as well. And I can certainly attest to the fact that yeah, getting on a podcast and, and yeah hosting that means that you have to to think a lot more about S and C, make sure that you're up to date on on everything, and uh, yeah, eventually it makes you a better coach for yeah. it as well. So that's a, that's a fantastic little combination you got there. Yeah, for sure. And it's great. Just, I love learning from people all around the world because what's great about this, this podcast that I'm doing is I learn how people do strength and conditioning in their countries and how it's like. And so I'm getting a lot of good things of just, you know, broadening that scope and networking as well. So it's been great. Absolutely brilliant. What's, what's the name of the podcast again for those who uh, want to have a listen? Yeah, of course. It's called the World of Sports Performance Podcast, and it would be good you know, not take people away from your podcast because this is great, but it's also a little different focus. As I said, you know, it's not as much sets and reps, but it's more just about um, working in a different country and those experiences. And then we touch on SNC a little bit, but the main focus is that international aspect. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely not uh, not a competition to to try and uh, steal listeners or anything. You can definitely listen to both podcasts. I mean, people have more sure. than one commute in a week, so yeah, um, we can certainly <laughs> share on that sense. So, uh, anyway, thank you, Christoph. Massive thanks for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking, and uh, yeah, I hope people have really enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope so too. This has been great, and thanks a lot for having me. Thank you very much, buddy. Cheers. Bye. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Christoph for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of mini lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast on strength and power in ice skating, be sure to get yourself into the Coach Academy, where there's plenty more fantastic information on strength and conditioning. And if you're interested in doing that, you can get a seven-day free trial using the link in the show notes. So all you have to do is click that in just a few seconds' time. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I would really appreciate it if you can give us a quick review and a share. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible content and the best possible guests. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.